All right, we are on the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to concentrate on two verses today. Um, And now Jesus is going to, again, go back and speak about the Holy Spirit um, and uh, what the role of the Holy Spirit will be. And in this section, Jesus is now going to emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit as counselor slash teacher. And I want you, again, to focus on the state of the emotional uh, feelings of the disciples during this period of time. Their world is collapsing. Their world is collapsing. Uh, The person who they thought uh, would lead Israel is about to be killed, uh, is about to be crucified. Uh, And so Jesus knows that even as he is speaking to them, they're having a hard time listening to what he's saying just having a hard time. And you know yourself how it is when you're going through great emotional trauma, uh, how difficult it is even to stay focused on God. Because, you know, your own subjective problems rise up and distract you. And so this is what Jesus is doing right now. And he's trying to get them to focus on the Holy Spirit, what the role of the Holy Spirit will be that it will teach them. So, verse 25 and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, And so just in broad strokes there, uh, uh, he's indicating that it's the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will go on to teach you. And God the Father will send the Holy Spirit to you, Uh, to teach you everything in my name. And so you see the Trinity again being spoken of by Jesus. And so when you hear people say, well, there's no such thing as the Trinity, it's just an ignorant statement. Right here, this is the Trinity. Couldn't be any clearer where Jesus speaks about it. The Father, uh, Jesus himself, and the Holy Spirit speaking and talking about the things that that the Holy Spirit will teach you, and we're going to focus on that today, teach you, and remind you. Uh, And these are two big roles uh, that the Holy Spirit has, uh, and and so it's important for us to know this. And so here Jesus is emphasizing the role of teacher uh, to the apostles, the role of teachers. And this this role right now is is applying, first of all, to the apostles. Why? Because these are the people who will lead the church. They will step forward and lead this church, and they will will be the people who will write the New Testament. Think about this. How did these guys go from being fishermen, basically, to being great writers of theology? How did that happen? All right, when did they get so smart? Well, I'm gonna show you how they got so smart. They got so smart in a period, really, of about six or seven weeks between the time that Jesus was crucified and the day of Pentecost, and you're gonna see Uh, the difference in their life uh, and what the Holy Spirit meant. That's how the New Testament was written. The New Testament was written because the Holy Spirit came back and educated educated these disciples, gave them insights that they never had before. I mean, remember, they hardly ever got anything while they're walking around with Jesus. You know, Peter is sitting here trying to get Jesus not to go to the cross, not 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 to give himself up. Uh, In fact, he never understood the real mission. Uh, And so how did that come about that suddenly they had the insight? It is the Holy Spirit. 
It is the Holy Spirit. I mean, when you really drill down on this, it's so amazing. And the other thing that the Holy Spirit does, it gives you a spirit of remembrance. Remembrance. Going back and remembering what Jesus said. Going back and and remembering the original doctrines, the original theology. And this is important for us too, because as we go out in the world, we want to be able to remember the things we've been taught. Uh, And the Holy Spirit will give that to you. And so when Jesus said the Holy Spirit will uh, reveal all things, it didn't mean all truth in the world. The Holy Spirit wasn't going to teach them about nuclear physics or astronomy uh, or the beginning of, of, of the Big Bang Theory. It had nothing to do with that, but it was going to reveal everything about Jesus Christ, who Jesus was, what is his role, how do we, how do we interact with Jesus, what is it all about. And that all comes about because the Holy Spirit uh, sealed them uh, and, and invaded Selma into their lives. Uh, and so we're going to talk to, this, to them about this. Here, these men needed to be taught. They had been with Jesus for three years, but they still really did not understand him. All right? They still had doubts, and you know that. You see that. Uh, how astounded they were when they found out that the tomb was empty. Even one of them, Thomas, refused to believe that Jesus had returned and been resurrected until he was able to put his fingers in the nail-scarred holes. Still would not believe it. So you understand it. The regular guys, uh, just really simple fishermen, who God picked to be able to become the leaders of the church, the writers of the New Testament, but only because the Holy Spirit would teach them all things. Um, and so this is, it's important for you to understand this. At the time of the crucifixion, these men were confused. They were fearful. They were suffering from anxiety. You know that at the time Jesus was crucified, they all disappeared. Every one of them, except John, who wound up standing at the cross with Mary. Uh, but every other one of them disappeared. Uh, and Peter not only disappeared, but, but he repudiated Jesus repudiated him and denied him. I mean, honestly, you would say, how could somebody who'd been with Jesus for three years? Well, because they walked with Jesus, but even though they heard, they didn't really hear. They heard with their ears. They didn't hear with their spirit. And now Jesus is telling them, now I'm going to go, uh, but, but the, the Holy Spirit is going to be with you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And the second interesting thing we see in these verses is that God himself wanted to teach the disciples. I find that very interesting. You see the role of God the Father. Uh, and Jesus makes that very clear in verse 25 uh, and, uh, and, and 26. God would send the Holy Spirit. God wanted to teach them. God was, was inveying on his role uh, to, to, as the, as the uh, Father the creator God of the universe, speaking to the disciples, teaching the disciples through the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and understand this, that once Jesus announced to the disciples, I will be leaving you, I will be going, they didn't hear a thing he said after that. You understand? They didn't hear a thing they said after that. I mean, I'll give you an analogy in court. Whenever I was, would be up against a particularly hard witness, someone who, I, who was a crucial a, a linchpin to the case of the other side, and they would put a guy, somebody like that on the stand who normally would be a very difficult witness to, to cross-examine, I would always hit him within the first 60 seconds with some question that I knew he didn't have the answer to. 
all right? And it was like you hit somebody in the head with a fastball. All right, this is what I would do. And then what would happen the entire time the person is on the stand, all they can think of is the fact that they messed up that answer. So even though you're, you know, you're going like a bulldozer or you know, uh, Grant taking Richmond, they can't think of that. They're going back and, oh, I messed that question up. How can I answer it right again? And I'm sure this is exactly what's going on with the disciples. Jesus is leaving. Jesus is departing. What are we going to do? And so Jesus recognized this. Uh, and so he's trying to calm them down, recognizing the fact that, that they, they needed to be taught uh, and that, frankly, at this point, he's not going to be able to teach them. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to teach them. Uh, and so it's very interesting to see that. Now, the question you then have to answer is, were they taught? Were they taught? <laughs> Here's the answer, folks. I'm holding it in my hand. The New Testament I want you to realize that, that basically the New Testament is written two-thirds by Paul, a Jew, a Pharisee, all right, a Pharisee, uh, and uh, the other third written by fishermen, basically, who walked with Jesus, who were educated by the Holy Spirit, all of them educated by the Holy Spirit to, to write this book. What an amazing, what an amazing situation. And you go back and you see you see the depth of the theology. I mean, how many of you are just so impressed when seeing how, how the Gospel of John is written? All, all of the references to the Old Testament, all the theological references that here they are tying it all up in a neat bow, writing it. They're writing it even at, at that moment. And you recognize that these books pretty much have all written, we know now, somewhere from about the year 45 A.D. to the year 90 A.D., all of this written, and all of it effectively accepted by the early church really by the year 100. And so even though it did not become the official canon of the church, the institutional church, until about the year 300 or so, it was always the, the books that were accepted right from the beginning because the Holy Spirit inspired the teaching. That's when you see the impact of the Holy Spirit. And so it, looking at the the, the proof of the fact that they were taught. One of the best examples of that is Peter. And so here's Peter, uh, right at the crucifixion, right before the crucifixion. Peter denies Jesus, denies Jesus three times. Uh, splits is nowhere to be found. Uh, not only does he deny Jesus, all right, he curses to prove that he couldn't possibly have been one of them. Right? And just before that, he's trying to encourage Jesus not to complete his mission. How are you doing that? You're doing a good job? And Jesus, recognizing that, that at this point, he doesn't even realize it, but he's becoming a tool of Satan. Uh, and, and Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Recognizing that Peter didn't realize himself that he had become a tool of Satan. So here's the thing. I'm not getting it. I, don't, I have not really come to terms with your mission I don't really understand this issue about the crucifixion or this uh, issue about the resurrection. Uh, I deny the Lord. And now I want you to uh, follow with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. And this answers the question, the question did, were they taught? Acts chapter 2. Now, this is right after Pentecost. Peter effectively now, after, after the Holy Spirit descends on the church, on the upper room, uh, and now uh, the Holy Spirit is sealing the 120 in the upper room. People are out in the street, uh, and they hear what's going on. They hear the gospel being preached. 
And we understand that, that, when, that there were three references, three times when, when uh, uh, tongues are spoken of in the New Testament, three times, and all three times, uh, those around understood what was being said. It was in a language that was understood, understandable. God wants the gospel to be preached. And so why did he have this happen? He, he had it happen so that uh, people from 50 different countries in, that had come to Jerusalem for the high holidays would be able to hear the gospel preached not only in their own language, in their own dialect. And so now Peter, who I've just told you, denied Jesus, who was being used by Satan to try to keep him from going to the cross. This same Peter now, six weeks later, look at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Wait a minute, is this the same guy who walked out six weeks before? Six weeks. Let me explain what's going on. There's thousands of people now in the streets. I want you to get this picture. Thousands of people, Jews from all over the world, gathering in the street. I want you to know what I say. These men are not drunk. He's talking to the, those in the upper room. As you suppose, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, he's going to recite an Old Testament prophecy. Peter, when did you go to seminary? How are you able to intricately put this all together? No notes. He doesn't have any notes. He doesn't have a written outline. And now he's going to give them the citation from Joel. Look at this, verse 17. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, man. Whoa. Wow. That take courage to, to speak that right in the streets of Jerusalem when you know six weeks before your leader was executed because he said he was, he was uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. Look also what he says in verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Stop. Whoa. When did you get this? Six weeks before you tried to stop Jesus. And Jesus has been gone. How did you understand this? How did you know that this was God's set purpose and foreknowledge? That the scriptures all spoke about this? It's because the Holy Spirit spoke to him. What a, what, a, what a joy this is to me personally, and it should be for you. Because here's what it means. If you give yourself into the Holy Spirit, and you ask God to give you wisdom uh, and to reveal it to you through the Holy Spirit, God will do this. And I've seen it in my own life, that as I've submitted to God 
and ask God to, to use me in the way he wants me to use, to use me, I've noticed that he gives me a greater application of the Holy Spirit, greater wisdom of the Bible, a greater understanding of what his will is for me in every way. And you see it here. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Wow. He is a prosecutor here for God. He's a prosecutor for God. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, now look at this. Here's another example. Another example in which he's going to refer to Psalm 16. He's going to, he's going to interweave Psalm 16 uh, into his message on the street. Quote, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Turn to Psalm 16. Extraordinary. You know, we read these verses and sometimes we just run over them without really thinking about it. Look at Psalm, look at this Psalm. This is now written 800 years, 900 years before Jesus would be born. Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your Holy One See decay. Oh. Now, folks, honestly, think about it. Think about it. This guy's a fisherman. He's a fisherman. Six weeks before, you saw the state of his mental well-being and what he had done and his lack of courage and, 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 and lack of commitment. Uh, and I'm, I'm not indicting him for that. I mean, he's a great guy. He's going to wind up being one of the greatest apostles of all time. And yet you see the impact of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm trying to show you, the impact of the Holy Spirit in your, in your lives. Verse 29, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Wow. Honestly. I mean, do you see the impact of the Holy Spirit? So if you, you, you really want to understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is as counselor and teacher uh, and empowerment, you can't get a better example of this. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Wow, Lord Jesus. Uh, I mean, really, what an impact you see in terms of understanding how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, and I have to say that I myself really, when I was younger, didn't really fully understand the impact of the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of people in church are the same way. I think a lot of people in the church are the same way. Well, that's not the case anymore because we understand this. Uh, and, and so we see it. So just as the apostles were being taught, they're being taught because God wanted them to evangelize the Jews, but God, even more importantly, wanted them to write the New Testament. 
This is how the New Testament was written. So if you have any doubt or anybody comes up to you someday and say, you know, I don't really believe that the New Testament was written by these ignorant guys. How could that happen? Really? Let's pull this out and say to them, here's what you don't understand, what you can't appreciate, how, God, how the Holy Spirit worked. Uh, and so just as the apostles were being taught then, we today are being taught through the Holy Spirit. Right now, in this room, as, as we open the scriptures and we ask God to give us wisdom, it is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to your heart. And here's how this works. If you hear me say something, uh, uh, if it is within the purview of God, if it is being uh, aligned with the will of God, in your heart, the Holy Spirit should be saying this, amen, amen, he's right, he's right, amen, all right? And if I say something that's not in accord with God's will, or I venture off into my own opinions, all of a sudden there's going to be a deficit. You're not going to feel that in your heart. You're not going to see that. Even if it's brilliantly spoken, brilliantly spoken, it'll fall dead as a bird. Boom. You understand? And that's, now you see the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so no one, no one can understand the deep things of God's heart the deep spiritual truths, without, without the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is Paul speaking. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, uh, verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirits within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. How can we ever hope to understand the thoughts and wisdom of God unless we rely on the very Spirit of God? And it is that very Spirit of God that God has given you in the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Can I get an amen on that? Understand what's going on, how God, God is speaking to us, how important it is. And so you need to know that and, and, and really uh, take comfort in that, that God has given you that gift, that you have the ability to discern, and that's how you're going to know what the Holy Spirit wants. And so how does this all come about? It's because as God has sealed you, now you need to be, again, in a prayerful communion on a daily basis with God. You pray and you speak to him. At every, every point of the day, I told you you need to speak to God at least 100 times a day. I throw that number out there just as a point of, of exaggeration, but to prove what I'm saying, meaning you need to talk to God all the time. You don't need a prayer shawl. You don't need a closet. You don't need a church. You can be in your car. You can be walking your dog, and you can be communicating with God. And, and from his spirit to your spirit, he will speak. I promise you this. I promise you this. That if you do that in a prayerful way, God will speak to you. Now, the second part uh, of these verses, verse 26, speaks of remembrance. 
remembrance. The quote is there is that the Holy Spirit will, will bring all things in remembrance of me. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the things that Jesus said. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is designed to help us remember what we have been taught. Now, what good is it if you have been taught, but you can't remember it? It's like my father would say, it's like you, you talk to somebody who just come out of, comes out of church, and you'll say to somebody, how, how is the sermon? Oh, it was powerful. <laughs> powerful. Really, what did he say? Ah, he said a lot of good things. <laughs> a lot of good things. Well, what, what was the point? I can't give you the point. All right? I can't give you the point. You see, that's not what God wants. God wants through the Spirit for you to remember. Remember what you heard. I hope that when I get done here speaking, you go out in the hall and somebody said, what did Garippa speak to today? I hope you remember these thoughts because if you don't, then we're falling, we're falling short of the mark. God wants you to remember. And it is the very Holy Spirit that will bring these things in remembrance to you. I am convinced that as the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they would later write the Gospels, I am convinced as they wrote the Gospels probably 10, 15 years after Jesus uh, walked in this world, I believe the Holy Spirit was like a tape recorder. Honestly, I believe that. It was as if the Holy Spirit brought back to them word by word what Jesus said. They didn't make it up. This wasn't fiction. This wasn't fantasy. It was the very Holy Spirit that was replaying in their mind uh, the wisdom and words of Jesus Christ. Uh, and why is this so? It is because the wisdom of God never changes. You understand this? God never changes. The doctrines and truths that Jesus gave us are the same 2,000 years ago as, as they are today. Now, we don't invent theology. I'm sorry to say that there are many churches in this world who have invented theology. All right? They have invented theology. You know, you, you hear the, the prosperity gospel, that Jesus doesn't want you to be poor. Jesus wants you to have a nice house, be a big car. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. That's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's inspired by the mind of man. People want to give you what you want to hear. We call it itching ears. Yeah, the people want to hear that. They want to hear that. They're going to be rich. They're going to be wealthy. They're going to be healthy. There's nothing here that says that. All right? That's invented theology. All right? The Holy Spirit will not allow us to invent theology. Uh, it, it does not give us new doctrine. There are no new doctrines. There's no new doctrine. If somebody comes up and says, I've just received a revelation that's never been given before, I turn that guy off. All right? Run in the opposite directions. There are no new revelations. Everything that has been revealed has already taken place, and the Holy Spirit will remind us and bring us to remembrance in so many ways. What we need today is the old truth delivered under the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. All right? The old truths delivered today. Uh, and, and the second thing that the word remind uh, touches us on uh, is that we tend to forget these doctrines. We've heard them so many times, and sometimes we, we, we get blasé. We get spiritually blasé. Uh, and we need Christian people to remind each other, 
to remind each other of this. Uh, and one of the jobs of the Christian church is to remind the world of these doctrines. All right? And when the Christian church fails to do this, instead comes up with a million social programs, instead of focusing back on the old truths revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, then it has failed miserably. It has failed miserably. Uh, and so this verse reminds us that the object of the teaching, the object of everything that is in the Scripture, the very essence of the Scripture itself is Jesus Christ. Don't ever mistake that. I don't think we have the Bible because it's very entertaining and very interesting and very prophetic. Yes, all good, but the primary purpose of the Scripture is to point the way to Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus, right from the beginning. And so we have to understand that the Scriptures are not an end unto itself. The Scriptures are an end unto Jesus Christ. And that is all wrapped up together within the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. This teaching element, this teaching uh, spirit cannot be done in the power of the flesh. Listen to what I'm saying. You can't teach people about Jesus if all you have is a, a doctor of theology from some big name university and you haven't been called, and you haven't been gifted. Because if you think that you're going to teach people about Jesus Christ because you've got academic credentials, you are way off the mark. Way off the mark. And I told you that I listened uh, to one of the so-called great teachers, this guy Bart Ehrman, Dr. Bart Ehrman from the University of North Carolina, uh, who was the head of the New Testament department. And I had listened to those tapes for several years, and there was something wrong as I listened to it. Couldn't put my finger on it. Well, it turns out that he became an apostate. And the beauty of this is today, even as an apostate, he's still the head of the New Testament in Duke University. How do you like that? University of North Carolina. Still today. You think the world doesn't get it? You think the world doesn't get it? That's why you have to be careful to what you listen to. All right? Don't take everything that comes across your path and say just because it appears to be from God, it's godly. No, it is not. Test the spirits. Test the veracity. Ask God to give you discernment. I can't speak to you enough about this. Really, especially now when we, we're going to be parted during the summer, I want you to continue to pray and read and study and connect with what we're doing. You need to do this. Because all of a sudden, you, you find yourself not in communion with God. And the next thing you know, you're going to slip. All right, somebody's going to say something that's outside the bounds of, of God's wisdom. And who knows how this will get trapped into your mind. You want to repudiate this stuff, really. So you cannot do this in the flesh. Do I have a verse that says that? Yes, I do. <laughs> because if I don't have a verse that says it, then it's my opinion and it's of no consequence. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right? Let's hear what our brother Paul has to say. After all, he got his theology directly from Jesus. All right, is that good enough for you? Directly from Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. And let me stop and say why that's important. Because he was unbelievably eloquent. And he was, had a greater intelligence than any of the people around him. This man was brilliant. He was a brilliant Pharisee, but he didn't get the gospel of Jesus Christ until he was sealed with the Holy Spirit and met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Let's understand this. I did not come to you 
with eloquence of superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. How do you like that? I knew nothing. I didn't care about anything else except Jesus Christ. Uh, I had a grandfather who was like this. My grandfather, who was a, a, a longtime evangelist and missionary, and, and uh, he was with us until I reached about the age 22, uh, and then he passed on. He was in his 80s. But he, you could not have a conversation with my grandfather about any subject except the Bible. I'm not kidding around. If you talk to him about world events, what do you think about this? Within 30 seconds, he would say to me, Ephesians 2.10. And it would be annoying. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. But I understood. You see, it takes time when you step back. And I understood his heart. He was so imbued with the Holy Spirit that he had recognized that to whatever extent God would use him, it was that he was going to be completely submissive to God. You understand? And that's the lesson here for you. You want to be able to touch people's hearts. You want to be able to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit through you that is going to do it. And it's going to happen. I know some of you are saying here right now, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be like him. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It won't be the same as what, I, what I'm doing, but in your own way, God is going to use your opportunities and your giftedness to, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ one-on-one -on -one through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for our people. Lord, I ask you to resonate even more in the coming week. Bring them closer to you in every way. Be with our people, protect them, and bring them back to continue the study of your word. Lord, we put all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you, God.